This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch Soap Company, and by Fry the Coop. Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, friends, to this, what I'm going to call a very special edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. With me, of course, is, as always, the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast. Jay, I call this a super-duper awesome special edition of the show (laughs) because... There are people wearing Blackhawks jerseys that are currently playing hockey. Well, not currently, but they were this morning. (laughs) That's good enough for me. It doesn't need to be this moment, but as long as it's happening at some point, I'm very happy about it. Yes, hockey is back and day one, and we've already got some controversy. We already have some questions that need answering. First of all, I want to tell you how to get in touch with the podcast. Send us an email, madhousepod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Madhouse Pod. We're on Instagram at Madhouse underscore pod and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Madhouse Hockey CHI, like Chicago Chai. Uh, so that is very easy to find us. And of course, you can go to MadhousePod.com for all the latest episodes and all that good stuff. Uh, there's lots of places to track down the Madhouse Podcast. And we never mention it, but we do have a Patreon and a GoFundMe. All that is under the support tab on madhousepod.com if you want to chip in a couple bucks to help James and I out, uh, you know, because uh, things are rough for everybody, especially some small businesses. You may have noticed we lost a couple sponsors recently, so uh, we're always trying to make that back however we can. But we've got a bit of controversy. Day one of training camp official was Monday the 13th, where we're recording this episode, and Corey Crawford, on the roster but not present, deemed What's the term, James? Unfit to play. Unfit to play. That is exactly the term that the NHL has somehow decided is better than either admitting that a player has an injury or coronavirus. Yes. So I immediately panicked because when I hear these things, you immediately start to think the worst. And that unfit to play with Corey Crawford, that was the first time I'd heard that term. So I searched Twitter for unfit to play, and there were many results from around hockey And I exhaled. Okay, so what this means is, if you don't know, listener, uh, unfit to play is the official term that the teams have been told to use when referring to a player that's out. It's not necessarily COVID related. It's not necessarily injury related. But for some reason, Corey Crawford couldn't be there and he was, quote, unfit to play. Before James and I talk about it more, I'm going to share... excerpts from Jeremy Cowton's interview with the media today, the Zoom conference he did after practice today, and he might shed some light on what's happening in goal for the Blackhawks. I know you can't give us too much information about people who aren't here, but do you do you expect Corey Crawford eventually here and, and kind of where is the goaltending situation with Subban and Delia out there as well? Yeah, well, obviously today Corey's unfit to play or to participate, um, so it's an opportunity for uh, for now for those other guys to to compete, and um, we'll probably rotate those three guys: Subban, Delia, and Lankinen. We'll rotate them through the first group, and uh, it's a great opportunity for them and a great opportunity for us to uh, evaluate them. and And uh, we expect a lot of competition, and we have confidence in all three of those guys that uh, they're going to make it hard on us and and uh, play at a high level. I missed just the very beginning of the Corey answer. Is there a time frame? Like, could he be back in a couple weeks or is it just up in the air? 
Yeah, for now, just he's unfit to play. And uh, I think, you know, the NHL has been pretty clear that's going to be the policy going forward as far as how we announce uh, all injuries. And uh, so that's all I have for you. Uh, hi, Coach. If Corey was unable to go, would uh, one of the three have an upper hand or would you see competition or how do you look at that? Uh, we've told them it's uh, it's going to be – based on how they perform and, and they're all going to be given equal opportunity. And, you know, we have uh, Matt Tompkins here as well, who, um, you know, he's been a, a really done a good job uh, at the American league and East coast levels. And so it's an opportunity for him to compete as well. So um, there's obviously um, at the end, we're going to have to make a decision, but we want those guys to make it as difficult as, as possible. That was Jeremy Cowton, courtesy of chicagoblackhawks.com. We thank them for use of the audio so listening to that james i'm here and i don't want to again this is nothing i've gotten from a source this is nothing i know for sure this is me with my years of listening to coaches speak working in sports radio and doing this podcast jeremy Cowan doesn't sound like a guy who's very confident that Corey crawford's going to be part of things here no certainly not and i think that that was one of the First things, of course, aside from, you know, the shock of actually hearing the announcement that kind of stood out to me was that Jeremy Colleton didn't seem like you said he is not acting like he's going to have Corey Crawford available to him at this time. I think that he even if he can't like specifically say, oh, he's just day to day or whatever it is like there there's a reason he was bringing up potential competition, like whatever the reason is, whatever. And I'm not. We'll talk about the uh, speculation, I'm sure, in a moment or as this conversation goes along. But, yeah, you, you definitely hit it right on the head when you said that Jeremy Colleton did not exactly sound hugely optimistic that they're going to have Corey Crawford available to them. I thought it was very interesting that Crawford was not around for phase two of the return to play. He wasn't around for optional workouts. And then I thought it was interesting that he was on the roster, but then – was not available today or unfit to play or whatever the Blackhawks are going to have to say about him. It's just a very odd situation, and it just kind of speaks to kind of the reality that we're going to have to deal with in the NHL through the remainder of this thing is because you're not going to be able to say conclusively that guys are hurt if they have COVID, whatever it is. I, I just thought it was very interesting and like as, like you said, just very apparent to me that Jeremy Colleton is basically assuming that he's probably going to have a goaltending competition on his hands with Malcolm Subban, who, yes, Blackhawks fans, is still actually on the team, <laughs> yes. and Colin Delia and Kevin Lankinen. It's, it's going to be a really interesting camp watching all of that play out if Corey Crawford isn't able to go. Well, and Matt Tompkins is there, too. So the Hawks have five goalies, including Corey Crawford, on their playoff, I guess, I don't know, they call it training camp roster is the official term for it. So Summer camp roster yeah. sponsored by Camping World. Oh, wait, that's MLB. Sorry. S by the way, speaking of, of sponsored by, did you see the new slogan? All for one. All for one instead of one goal. And a Twitter user pointed it out to me and he said, maybe they're just saying uh, for the number one overall pick. So it's... <laughs> You know, now, is it true that that pick. was the marketing slogan before Red Rising and before One Goal? All for one. I don't. I had, a, I had a I had a comment on my Twitter feed that from a listener of the show who said that he thought that that was something that the Blackhawks had used previously. I don't remember that one. I think it's like Cold Steel on Ice, Red Rising. There was there were a lot of them. I would imagine probably they probably used that once. Do you think that's why John McDonough is gone? Because he said that that was stupid and the Blackhawks really liked it, so they got rid of him. Yes. I just I solved the mystery. Yes, I think that's for sure why John McDonough was fired. His unwillingness to use all the very original and creative, all for one, in weird font. <laughs> It's just like, uh, anyway, we've got bigger fish to fry than that. So we, the Corey Crawford thing, if he's not ready to play when the puck drops in Edmonton against Edmonton, oddly enough, um, they are, they don't have a shot. I don't care if it's Colin Delia. I don't care if it's Malcolm Subban. I don't care who it is. They're not winning a series without Corey Crawford. I cannot see that. Even a short five game series, you start to convince yourself like, well, you know, 
You know, the first thing you say is, you know, if Corey Crawford can get hot, well, guess what? If Corey Crawford's not there, he's not going to get hot. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. Like to I me, believe them. I believe the math does add up on that. <laughs> right. To me, it's just. I think you just put a put a fork in it if he's out. And now we know how hockey players are, and they're going to have chips on their shoulder, and maybe they step up their game a little bit because their guy's out. I just, man, day one, and there's already a bummer already a bummer in Hawks camp and it's like one of the ones you could least afford yeah I mean you had this great news when Brent Seabrook took the ice for the you know the practices and then obviously was on the uh summer camp roster today and everything was going really good with that and then yeah this was um not something that I assumed was going to happen. Like, yeah, he wasn't on the ice for phase two, but those were all optional workouts. Like, you kind of assume that some guys were going to sit it out. I'm just – I obviously I'm not going to get into speculation about what's going on with him. I know that the NHL was very deliberate in choosing the unfit-to-play moniker, which seems kind of cruel and mean to use that. But I guess, you know, they just don't. They don't want guys to get outed, basically. They don't want them to get Steve Simmons, I think, is ultimately what that boils down to. By the way, for our listeners who don't know, Steve Simmons reported several weeks ago that Austin Matthews had tested positive for COVID, got, you know, heaps of scorn, like, you know, thrown onto him for doing that. Uh, Austin Matthews did acknowledge, I believe, today that he had tested positive previously. So that was that reference. And I will never speak the name of Steve Simmons again. Yeah. He got some anyway, because he's typically a penis, uh, but he was, he was right <laughs> on this one. Um, but, but, and he, and he of course today was like gloating and taking a victory lap. And cool. it was like, no, you're still a bag dude. Yeah, Like cool thing to well, take a victory lap about. Yeah. It just, it was obviously not appropriate. And he, you know, was like, Oh, I'm validated. And it's like, no, you still suck, dude. Um, well, but again, yeah. I'm not going to make this speculation about Corey Crawford. If we've learned anything about this team, and especially with Corey Crawford, it's that if you start speculating, you get a bunch of goofy rumors and silliness and nonsense. And I just don't feel like trafficking in that, man. I'm, I'm not going to let that uh, rob me of my hockey buzz right now. I'm just excited that it's back, Dagnabbit. Well, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because immediately – as soon as that news comes out, I'm getting hit up, and I'm sure you got hit up too. Like, hey, you know, is Crawford okay? Is he? What, did he ride his jet ski down the stairs again on Christmas and crash into a snowmobile? Like all the crazy rumors that came out about Corey Crawford when he was out with a concussion, um, you know, they they reared their heads. And and that term unfit to play. I wish they'd done a better job. And maybe I missed it. Maybe you missed it. Maybe everyone else in sports media missed it. They sent out a very thorough explanation of their policy uh how they're going to handle everything that should have been in there and if it wasn't there it should have been made abundantly clear that if you hear a player referred to as unfit to play this will be the nhl's new term for out and because of the situation we're living in because of hipaa laws and all those things we can't disclose if a guy has covid or not so from here on out anyone who can't practice is going to be deemed unfit to play for whatever reason. That should have been made abundantly clear before today so you didn't have that instant knee-jerk reaction of, oh, God, oh, God, what's wrong? What's wrong with Corey? Well, we don't know, but it's probably not something tragic, right, or something horrible, um, unless, of course, he has COVID. But you know what I'm saying? Like right. It doesn't mean that somebody just, you know, now generalizing, like maybe someone slipped back into some sort of addiction or something like that. It, it, I think that term, they should have done a better job of letting people know what that means when they say unfit to play. And that really is the first kind of dropped ball uh, by the NHL throughout this whole thing. I think I, I was actually just going to bring up that this is the NHL that we're talking about here. Yeah, but they've done such a good job with everything else. I guess they were due for a slip up, but I wish they'd just done a better job ahead of today saying, by the way, when you hear this term, this is what it means. It's going to be used league-wide, coach-wide, GM-wide until this season ends, whenever that might be. Unfit to play is the term for out for any reason whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, you you nailed it right on the head. I feel like there should have been a better explanation of that, obviously. That was one of those things that you read that and just, like, without context, it, you're just completely taken aback by it. Like, it's not a 
term that you're used to seeing unless like somebody violated their contract or came into camp like 40 pounds overweight or whatever like that. That's definitely what, you know, you immediately think of when you see a term like that. But moving aside from the Corey Crawford element of all of this, which obviously, like you said, is a massive deal because it does deal a pretty strong blow to your play, your hopes of winning the series, not having him in there. Do you think that they're going to go with just automatically going to go with Malcolm Subban, or do you take Jeremy Colleton at his word that there is going to be a real competition for the starting minutes in net for this series? Oh, I think there's going to be a competition. I think the competition is between Delia and Subban, but I, I don't think that Subban is being handed anything. I mean, he played, what, 45 seconds of the season for the Blackhawks? And I was at that game that he did. Yeah, and there was no sign that they were going to you know, take the, the foot off the pedal with Corey Crawford. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that there's an open competition with Delia and with Subban. And look, when you look at the NHL numbers, Delia's been better. You know, like, Cal and Delia's numbers in the NHL aren't bad. And they started off really good, obviously, when he got off to a really good start with the Hawks and then sort of came back down to earth. But Malcolm Subban hasn't impressed very much. You know, it, it's, I don't know, I'm looking at Delia here. Uh, seven five and three is record. Three point six five goals against. Uh, 0.906 save percentage. I'm going to pull up Malcolm Subban right now as I kill time beautifully. Okay. Uh, Malcolm Subban thirty twenty three and seven two point nine seven goals against. So significantly better there. Uh, 0.899 save percentage. A sub ninety save percentage is really bad. Really, really. That's bad. That's never good. And Calendelia is at 0.906, so it's not much better. But it's almost unheard of to have a goalie with that much experience have a save percentage under 90. That's not good. So, yes, to answer your question, I do think there will be an open competition to go, and I think there should be. If Corey Crawford can't go, whatever the reason is, and hope to God it's not COVID because he's got two young kids at home, um, you know, I think that the right thing to do is to hold an open co competition. Look, if Kevin Lankinen is a stud in camp, give him the nod. You've got I was a five... actually just about to say that. I don't think you can rule him out. Yeah, you've got a five-game series. Whoever is the best goalie when game one starts, that's your guy. And if after game one, another goalie's better, that's your guy. I, I don't think – there's no right or wrong way to do this in, in a five-game quick playoff series. Um, look, if you don't have an established starter or even a, a backup with significant NHL experience, then you just have to ride the hot hand and, and – I guess we'll see who that is come August 1st. Man, we spent a lot of time talking about the Corey Crawford situation, and there really is a lot of other news that we have to get to, man. Like, this was a – honestly, it's been like a news-packed week. Like, we have items at the end of our, like, show list today that I just have no clue if we're going to get to. So why don't we – you know what? Why don't we just dive right into it? Yeah, how excited were you to see Brent Seabrook back on the ice this week for the Blackhawks? I was actually quite excited, and I know um, I'm one of the last people on earth that holds a uh, a spot in my heart for Brent Seabrook. He's one of my favorite Blackhawks ever, um, and who knows? I mean, if he can come back and bounce back from these injuries and, and maybe this just the rest and the repair makes him a step faster, half a step faster, he could be exactly what you need, and I'm not, I don't have any high hopes for him to come out and be the Brent Seabrook of 2010 or 2013. But I do think that he could be a little bit better than he was when he went down. And if you looked at the lines today, we should go over the lines, by the way, if you have them in front of you. Uh, he was on the I fourth do. pair with Lucas Carlson. So, again, this is his first time on the ice, really, in any official capacity. Uh, so I don't think there's any rush to put him in the top six. But I'd be very surprised if when the series with Edmonton starts, if Brent Seabrook's not in the lineup. All right, so I do have the line combinations in front of me, and we will – it's a nice, nice little segue to that, by the way, because I did want to hit on both of these things. Ahem. The first – the forward lines are as follows. Alex Debrinkit was out there with Jonathan Tabes and Brandon Saad. Not a huge shock there. Nope, that's good. You had uh, Nylander was out there today with Strom centering the second line and Patrick Kane on their wing. You had Dominic Kubali. God, you remember how good of a season he was having before this all stopped? I do. Man, that's annoying. And I hope <laughs> he can like get back to the that kind of scoring touch that he had. He was out there today with Kirby Doc and Drake Kajula. 
You had the fourth line, this fourth line. Ooh, what a barn burner this is. You had David Kampf centering Ryan Carpenter and Matthew Highmore. And then on the defensive side of things, you had, of course, Duncan Keith and Adam Boquist, obviously. You had Calvin DeHaan also came back from injury, so that's noteworthy for the Blackhawks. He was out with Connor Murphy. You had the all co- the vowel consonant combination because you had <laughs> Oli Mata and you had Slater Cuckoo on the ice together. And then finally you had Lucas Carlson and Brent Seabrook together as that fourth pairing, as you alluded to. So... Not really any massive surprises, I don't think, like out of the entirety of those line combinations. Like, obviously, like you wonder how long it'll be before DeBrinkit, like, kind of meanders his way back onto a line with Stroman Kane, maybe. Like, especially in a series like against Edmonton, where you're just going to need probably as many goals as you can score. But outside of that, I mean, this is fairly standard stuff from Jeremy Colleton. Yeah, no real surprises, and of course, we're still weeks away from the first game, but those lines make sense to me. I'd like to see Kubelik uh, up a little higher, but I, I see this is what Cowden is doing, is, and he's done this a lot, is like trying to make all four lines effective. Well, that fourth line won't be, but the, th- but the top three, you could see actually all contributing some offense. Um, I get that. I see not wanting to stack your top line, and he still has the ability. And in, in a jam, if they're down one, you could put Kane Taves into Brinkett together, Kane Taves and Sod, whatever you need to do. But uh, the lines make sense today, and I, I like the fact that he's not trying to rush Brent Seabrook back or put any undue pressure on him. The other thing that I thought was noteworthy was in Mark Lazarus's uh, post-practice piece for the Athletic, he mentioned how good Calvin DeHaan looked. Uh, so that's encouraging. That's a guy who, when he went down was probably playing as well as any Hawks defenseman had been playing all year. So to get him back, that's a big plus. So if you can get him back to the level he was at or close to it, and Brent Seabrook, you know, maybe plus half a step, all of a sudden the D does not look so horrible. Um, I don't know. It's just th- this whole Corey Crawford thing, not to go back to it, it just kind of throws a wrench into everything for me, though, because, you know, with him you could sort of create an argument like, all right, you know, maybe, just maybe, you know, if Seabrook's back and he's a little better and DeHaan's good again and Corey Crawford stays hot like he was before the season ended, maybe, just maybe, now I'm just kind of like, kind of deflated about the whole thing. But look, there's no official word that Corey Crawford's out. We're just sort of reading the tea leaves by how Jeremy Cowton was speaking. But again, Cowton is not like measuring every word. Stan Bowman. And they also have to be super careful about everything that they're going to say about these guys, too. We do have to continue to throw that caveat out there. Yeah, and Stan Bowman was measuring every word because that's part of, you know, the role of a GM is to make sure you say the right things as well as you can, and Bowman did a good job of that. But, uh, well, you know, not for us because we wanted some information, but he did what he was supposed to do in in protecting Corey Crawford. By the way, want to mention a couple of our sponsors, Triple Threat Sports, Usually printing up jerseys, printing up T-shirts, printing up uh, uniforms for T-ball leagues and things like that. Well, they've committed their machines to making masks for you. Go to TripleThreatSports.com or call them 708-478-6090. You can order one. You can order 10,000. You can get it plain. You can get a logo. So hit up Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. Again, that number 708-478-6090, TripleThreatSports.com. And, of course, our longtime original sponsor, Marishka's in Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. They're family-owned and operated since 1933. And yes, like every business, they're down a little bit because of the pandemic, but a, a business that's been around that long, they've got passionate people supporting them, and they want to send a special note of thanks to their longtime customers who are keeping them afloat during this pandemic. You go check them out, too. The poor boy, the steaks, the chops, the seafood, the twice-baked potato, the mountain of onion rings, anything you get at Marishka's. You're going to love. Again, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, marishkas.com or facebook.com slash marishkas. They're closed only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. So go visit uh, Joe and the family out there at Marishkas. You will love it. Everyone that's ever been there has has fallen in love with the place and made it a staple in their uh, dining rotation, just like James and I have. So, yeah, man, it, it's, it, it's funny, like, looking at just – being on online today and seeing like Blackhawks lines of practice, like, Oh, oh <laughs> that glorious feeling of being mad about lines. <laughs> Man, Simpler I times. telling you. Yeah. Cause I, well, I mean, okay. So am I the only one who, when I saw the lines, I was like, 
wait, are those the same lines as we saw like four months ago? Like, did your brain still have like cobwebs, like hockey cobwebs? You couldn't really like remember what the heck had been happening in the season when this whole thing stopped because I had that moment today. Well, it's funny, like I've been playing so much NHL 20 and watching so many old Hawks games. It's like, oh, yeah, David Camp. Oh, yeah, Alex Nylander. Like these guys are on the team. You're like, oh, yeah. Totally forgot about those guys because they've been so out of sight, out of mind for so long. And the hockey we have been watching is old hockey. Which was good hockey. It was very good hockey. (laughs) By the way, I uh, tweeted out the, this was tweeted by the NHL the other day. The 1992 NHL All-Star Shootout Challenge. You, If you've not seen this video, it's about seven minutes long. Here are the names in this video. Brett Hull, Steve Eiserman. Uh, Mario Lemieux, Yarmir Yager, Joe Sackick on the Nordiques, Brian Leach, Patrick Waugh, Ed Belfour, all, oh, Sergei Fedorov is in it. All these guys take part in the shootout challenge for the 92 All-Star Game. It is awesome. And not to spoil it, but Mario Lemieux makes everything look easy. It's It's just absurd. It's just absurd how great that dude was. But this is like, you talk about your formative years as a hockey fan, that right there. That era of hockey was when I fell in love with the game. So seeing all those guys in the same place at once was amazing. And as the shootout was going on, they had to just pick who was going to shoot next. And the crowd is chanting Gretzky, 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 and he never came out. But it was just awesome. So make sure you find what a What a jerk. <laughs> maybe that's why Maybe that. Well, that's why he was such a bad coach, dude, is because like he – irritated the hockey gods with his uh, selfishness and they were like you know what you're gonna be bad at this have fun yes clearly Wayne Gretzky had had infuriated the hockey gods (laughs) when he recorded 20 million points yes that was I I do believe that's a record or something (laughs) yes it is yes it is uh man it's just uh it's it's very good to have the sport back and uh what I'm not looking forward to is like angry twitter again didn't see that today. Most people pretty happy, pretty happy with everything the way it's it's been. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can't really. Are you honestly going to get worked up and be like, I don't think that Ryan Carpenter should be a fourth line <laughs> winger? It's like, who the hell else are you going to put there? Like, are you going to like come at me with like an argument about I don't know Reese Johnson or Mackenzie Entwistle? Like, come on, man. Like, this team pretty much has out there right now what they're able to roll out there. I don't think that we're going to be seeing a whole lot of Dylan Secura or John Quenville or Mackenzie Entwistle. I just, I'm not seeing it, man. I, I don't like think those. Not, not this year, but I'm excited about Mackenzie Entwistle. And I, you and me both, dude. I've yeah. been beating that drum all season. Bowman mentioned him today on the Zoom call. Like, oh, he's a guy who, before everything stopped, he was sort of on the fast track to getting called up. And uh, I would like to see him play every time I've watched him in prospects camp or the preseason. He stands out to me as a guy who looks good, like he does good things on the hockey ice, which is the whole point, right? I'm not as saying most of the curling ice. <laughs> yes, I'm not saying plug him in for the playoffs by any means. But next year, I want to see him get a real shot at making the team because they're going to need some young players on the roster. James, why don't we take a timeout? Reset. We've got a lot of things to sort of get to here with the new CBA, how that affects the Blackhawks down the road. We've got a little bit of an update on Ian Mitchell's status. All that more coming up next on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. We want to send a shout out to our newest partner at Dr. Squatch Soap Company, the Madhouse Podcast listeners have really jumped on to Dr. Squatch and invested in high-quality, made-in-the-USA, all-natural soaps from our friends at Dr. Squatch. Go to drsquatch.com. Use that promo code MADHOUSE. What is Dr. Squatch? This is the oddest-sounding thing you've ever talked about, Jay. I know, but I was a guy who was dealing with horrible skin, cracking dry hands. Literally, I would look down and there would be blood running down my knuckles. That's how dry my hands were, and I'd had enough. I saw a Dr. Squatch ad on Instagram. I ordered a whole bunch of it, and within a couple days, my skin had improved. I've been using Dr. Squatch now for three months, and I'm still as enamored with it as I was the day I first got the shipment. 
I love it. It's bar soaps. I've tried a couple new scents. I told you about the pine tar. I told you about the cedar citrus. I told you about the cool, fresh aloe. This week, I tried out the crisp IPA scent. And I was like, is this going to smell like beer? Do I want to smell like beer? Open the box immediately. Hit with the aroma of orange peel. Oh, man. Rub that on myself. The lather was absolutely fantastic. I smell great. My wife said, which one is this? I'm like, yeah, this is the crisp IPA. She said, this is one of the best smelling soaps you've ever used. And a lot of the Dr. Squatch ones smell, well, they all smell awesome. But she said that about a couple of them. This one surprisingly smelled better than I thought it would. And it's tremendous. That's the crisp IPA. So go to drsquatch.com. Up in the top right corner, you'll see the Squatch quiz. Everyone's got different needs for their skin, for their hair, for everything. Fill out that quiz. They'll tell you the best products to buy. Make sure, since you're investing in premium soap, you're going to want to add that that soap protector to your list so your bar doesn't uh, melt down while you're not using it. Look, you're making an investment. Protect it with the soap saver. You're going to want that. And then use that promo code MADHOUSE. You will help the podcast, and you will save on your order. Dr. Squatch. Dot com. That's D-R-S-Q-U-A-T-C-H.com. I promise you, you will love Dr. Squatch as soon as it arrives. You're going to open that box and just be hit in the face with all those amazing smells, and you will be hooked for life. All right, James, In the while the NHL was hammering out their uh, return-to-play plan, oh, yeah, they also got a new CBA done, which is <laughs> really kind of unbelievable. And uh, a little bit of news from there, a flat cap for the foreseeable future, which really, really hurts the Blackhawks. I mean, we were looking at a potential cap rise this summer, a significant one, still thinking, how are they going to bring back Strom? How are they going to bring back Kubelik while improving the team? Well, now it's cheaper, apparently, if they're going to have to do it. Well, that's the question now. Our players... And this sucks. As a player, this sucks. If you're a guy who is on a, in a contract year, like look at Kubalik, who just scored 30 goals in his first year in the NHL, now it's time to get paid? Well, you know, it's a flat cap, and we can't pay you as much. That sucks for the players, but I do think there's going to have to be some sort of step back in salary for the players, and, and that's horrible. Yeah, it is. I mean, obviously there's an element of, well, there's always something going on with like free agency that's either going to benefit or harm the players. And so it's always hard to gin up a ton of sympathy, I guess. But you're absolutely right, at least in my eyes. Like this is just, yeah, everybody's going to like focus on the effect that the uh, flat cap is going to have on the competitiveness of teams and the ability to retain players that they probably would have been able to retain if the cap had gone up. But at the same time, I do feel awful. I do feel kind of bad for these guys that they're not going to get the big paychecks that some other guys did. But I mean, that's just kind of the reality of the world that we're living in right now. And you would assume that a lot of the guys who are going to get paid in free agency this time around, they might be willing to sign like a little bit more of like a bridge, like a two to three year deal off of their ELC just to get to potentially those higher cap numbers. If the league does indeed start to, you know, bump the salary cap back up in a couple of years when hopefully everything's back to normal. So everything's cyclical, I guess they had to deal with this after the lockout in 2013 when they dramatically slashed the salary cap i think they had dropped it to like 64 million dollars after all of that ended and so a lot of teams had to really scramble to kind of fit everybody in i i think i do feel bad for guys like dominic kubelik though that does absolutely stink and just another example of how you know you can lay out all these plans and they can all be you know kind of torn asunder it seems like yeah, it's Scott Powers did a really nice breakdown of what the next few years look like for the Blackhawks uh, salary cap. Wise. So this this is from Scott Powers' piece. This was dated uh, July 7th. Under the CBA, the salary cap ceiling w- remains at $81.5 million for the 2020-21 season and stay there until the hockey-related revenue reaches $4.8 billion. One league executive said Monday that he was projecting the cap ceiling to remain at $81.5 million for 2021-22 and probably increased by only a million in 2022-23. So not good news for the Hawks. And and you're just looking at this summer alone. We talked about Kubelik. We talked about Strom. Oh, yeah, you don't have a number one goalie. 
because Corey Crawford is unrestricted. Drake Kajula, who, when he's healthy, has been a good player. Slater Cuckoo has been showing signs of becoming a dependable 5-6-7 defenseman. Uh, Alexander Fortan, who I'm not sure they're worried about anymore, and Malcolm Subban, uh, the other restricted free agents. This is tough, man. Like, I, I don't know how they're going to... Well, they're definitely not going to get better. I mean, he's estimating... Powers is estimating somewhere between 5 and $6 million for Kubelik, a four-year deal, with Strom somewhere two years, maybe 3 to $4 million. Crawford is probably going to want at least four. Now... What you can do is you can buy out Olimata, which would give you an additional three point four million. To what work did with. you think? Sorry, but I just now that you mentioned buyout, what do you think about there not being compliance buyouts with the flat cap? I thought that was kind of an interesting decision. I'm shocked by that. I'm absolutely shocked by it. I, I just I, I you would think that the team that the league would say, look, no one could have seen this coming. Uh, you know, this is unprecedented. We're stuck with a flat cap for a while here. We've got to give teams another option. Uh, and I thought for sure that it would be a way out for the Hawks from Brent Seabrook um, that maybe they don't want, which is crazy. Um, but, yeah, I, I was very surprised. And I'm sure they had the reasons. But, uh, you know, that we're talking about a compliance buyout where the, where the contract's just off the books. Um, but Olimata and Zach Smith would give the Hawks uh, $5.5 million plus if they bought those two guys out to work with, that's going to be needed to get one of those two guys signed. It just still, you're not, you're not a better team. There's no way they're better next year than, than this year. You know, it, uh, Andrew Shaw is another unknown. Is he going to play again ever? And don't what, know. He's not on their roster to have heard neither height nor hair of him. Like I just, yeah, I have no clue, honestly. And remember, too, like what Bowman always does, and Scott Powers points this out, too, is anytime he has a long-term injured reserve guy, they wait until the season begins. They almost never use uh, the long-term injured reserve before the season starts so they can use it in the offseason. It's something Sam Bowman has almost always done. Um, I don't know, man. I just and, – and, you know, get the barf bag looking up a few years ahead because I don't know how they're going to – I don't know. I don't know how they're going to get out from under this. They're going to have to trade uh, a high money piece in, in that in that Brandon Sod, who's had a good year but makes six million dollars, continues to be the most enticing piece to trade. Can you trade him for a, a guy who maybe had high hopes, like another Alex Nylander type that you hope works out here? I don't know, but the Hawks have look. They're not the only team doing it either, but uh, and dealing with this. But man, it's going to be really really rough digging out and becoming competitive again uh it was going to be anyway now with this pandemic i do not envy stan bowman's position here no, well i mean he sort of put himself in that position like let's not uh forget that part of it yeah but i mean you could even say though he probably knew the cap was going to go up a little like you know what i mean he's kind of okay like i'm working my way and i you can kind of predict how things are going to go cap wise but no one could have predicted this this, this is sure. unprecedented. So Yeah, I, I don't think the flat cap by itself was like that out of left field, but coupled with everything else and the fact that it's going to stay in place for so long, I can agree with you on that, obviously. The other bit of news from today, uh, Stan Bowman was asked about Ian Mitchell's future, uh, and Bowman said he's going to sign, but the question is, does he sign a contract that starts this year or starts next year? What bugged me is, and you know, I'm a I'm a player guy, I'm a union guy, so I'm always on the side of the worker. But Sam Bowman said, "Whatever's better for Ian." Well, Stan, as James and I just discussed, um, it might not be the best time to be doing favors for players. <laughs> if this is what the team's gonna look like, if this is what the cap's gonna look like, you need affordable talent for as long as you can have it. And if Ian Mitchell's the guy they think he is. He's going to be due a raise sooner than later. Why not do everything you can to suspend that contract until next season and get another year of eligibility? Ian Mitchell cannot play this year, contract or not. If they sign him for a contract this year, he's ineligible for the play-in round and the playoffs. So there's no benefit to having him signed up here. I just 
you've got to make a cold-hearted decision once. And this is what we say about Stan all the time. He gives you the market value contract and the no movement clause and the term. You can have it all. <laughs> and that's what puts them in these bad situations you just referenced. I actually I wrote down uh, like on my little sheet here of all of the things that we were going to talk about. I did write down the Ian Mitchell contract discussion. And of course, the first thing I thought of was, well, do you really want to risk like alienating the guy? And it's like, OK, if he's going to be alienated by the fact that you don't want to like bring him in, basically like burn a year of his contract for absolutely no discernible benefit because let's be honest here do you really think the Blackhawks are going to be in the business of developing guys just in practice like I don't I I know I was thinking about having Ian Mitchell play if he was going to be eligible because I thought that experience would be good for him but it's significantly different to put him out there in a playoff game and to get him that kind of experience than just to get him some like practice on what like their fifth defensive pairing probably it just isn't right. not worth it to me. I would not because also consider this: if the Blackhawks want to bring Ian Mitchell in, they do have to send somebody else out, like because they are at the max of thirty skaters right now. So they would have to send a guy, probably like Chad Chris or somebody like that. They would have to send them out and bring Ian Mitchell in. And I just I don't think that all of that like kind of maneuvering of the roster and the fact that you're burning a year of cheap play for me and Mitchell like yeah guess what dude realities and circumstances change I'm sure the Blackhawks were to give him a shot to potentially you know get in there if they could but just it's not worth it for like five or six practices like I just it would blow my mind if the Blackhawks actually did that I think that. Stan Bowman is playing a little bit of a game here with Ian Mitchell's representation, probably just like, Oh, we're giving it some really serious thought. And it's like, you're committing GM malpractice. If you do that, I think it's a bad idea with the flat cap. You're going to have to have as much cheap talents as you can possibly get. And if he does this and he plays ball, reward him on his next contracts when the cap likely is going to be going up. And yeah. you'll have a bunch of contracts that will be coming off the books by that point. Huge I just, contracts, th- yes. It's not even, not even a question to me. You don't bring him up right now. Look, you did the same thing with Marcus Kruger. And, yeah, it ended up screwing you. But you said, look, uh, we need you to sign right now. We're going to give you a little lesson you probably earned. And then next contract, we're going to help you. We're going to bump you up a little bit. That might be what you do with Ian Mitchell to say, look. I know this sucks. I know it's unprecedented, but like, how about like an extra three hundred k when that next deal comes up, or a new or something? They'll find some way. We'll get you a car deal. We'll get you whatever you need. You know what I mean? The Hawks will find a way to make these things work. It's not college football where they can't like, hey, we're gonna pop, you know, give the guy a couple a grand a month or whatever to get by. No, they can do whatever the hell they want um, with with Ian Mitchell. So who knows? Maybe there could be a signing bonus, right? Could they give him a signing bonus to? Uh, I'm not sure how that is in the new CBA, but give him a signing bonus so he gets a little bit up front. There's, there's Dude, creative ways do we to really want to get into the realm of roster and contract bonuses? You remember what happened with Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves? Yes, that was I'm bad. not saying Ian Mitchell's going to be the same type of guy, but with the cap situation that they're in right now, I don't think you're, you want to be handing out bonuses like candy right about now. I think you probably can't legally under the CBA be like, hey, you give us a little bit of a break here we'll make sure it's worth your while on the back end of it I don't know if you can do that but I'm sure that the Blackhawks are gonna be like look play ball with us it's gonna be fine and that's that's all you have to say I think I think in the end he will make his money they should give him fry the coop gift cards I would take that that would appease me for a year Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> I, I completely agree with you about that. And now I just now I want fried chicken, man. Yeah. Well, we went to fry the coop last week. We enjoyed it in a, a park in Oklahoma. It was really nice to go out there and get that the best Nashville hot chicken on earth, not just in uh, Illinois, but on earth. Uh, Oklahoma, Elmhurst, Westtown, Wall Street Market coming soon in other areas of the world. So soon there will be a fry the coop near you. It is the best hot chicken. Like I said, every week we go over a different menu item. I'm going to go back to the donut fried chicken sandwich. Uh, which is just what it sounds like. It is a fried chicken fried chicken breast on a donut. Yeah, pickles, special sauce, glazed donut, absolutely amazing. They've got six levels of heat. Country, that's no heat. Mild, medium, hot, crazy, and little insanity. I have hallucinated eating the hot. So uh, 
I'm just warning you, if you like hot food, don't think you're tougher than you are. I love hot food. I always go for the spicy. The hot makes me sweat. It makes me see things. To think there's two levels beyond that is terrifying to me. But people have done it and survived and lived to tell about it. If you try it, let us know, madhousepod.com. For the first time, James, I tried the seasoned fries. Delicious. Absolutely amazing. So go to Fry the Coop, frythecoop.com. Give them a try. You will love it. Again, Oaklawn, Elmhurst, West Town, Well Street Market coming soon all over town. I know they're a little bit delayed with some openings because of the pandemic, but uh, Fry the Coop is thriving in these times. So check them out. They're on Twitter at Fry the Coop. Come get your happiness at Fry the Coop. A uh, little bit of a some Hawks news, by the way. The Hawks have signed, uh, De- uh, I'm sorry, Wisconsin defenseman Wyatt Kelnick. He was property of the Philadelphia Flyers. The Blackhawks signed him, um, not officially. He was, uh, Stan Bowman was asked about it today. He's like, yeah, we'll have an announcement on that soon, but we just can't say anything yet. But um, what, what I like about this signing, I I'm not going to pretend to know much about him, but he's 23 years old. He's a guy who uh, could potentially be NHL ready pretty quickly. Uh, he was the captain of the team, 6-1. Uh, I think he's 203 is what I saw. Not an overly offensive-minded guy, but a guy who can defend and a guy who seems to be definitely ticketed for the NHL. So the Hawks adding another piece of depth on the blue line. Yeah, it, it was obviously like it was kind of odd how that all shook out since, you know, the it's not officially official yet, I don't think. I still haven't seen anything from the Blackhawks about Wyatt yet. I honestly, dude, I'm probably going to have to struggle with his uh, last name for at least a little bit because I'm going to probably screw it up. It's just going to be one of those things. Kelnick. <laughs> Kelnick? Kelnick. Kelnick? That's it, really? Yep, that's it. Just Kelnick. All right, yep. well. The former captain of the Wisconsin Badgers, as you alluded to. His USHL numbers were fairly solid, especially his last couple of seasons in Bloomington. He was a very consistent offensive performer in college. Definitely looks like one of those guys who's probably going to be a good puck mover. Uh, definitely uh, something that the Blackhawks are going to need as the you know time goes on on their blue line. I'm interested to see the impact that some of these young guys can have. As far as I'm concerned, the more you can get away from the Nick Sealers and the Slater Cuckoos of the world, the better off the Blackhawks are going to be. So... Give me all the young, talented, puck-moving defensemen. Bring them in here. Yeah, and, and like we were just talking about, you know, as the the cap remains flat, they're going to need to find young answers on the blue line because you are, I mean, it's almost guaranteed that Oimata is going to be bought out, that Zach Smith's going to be, Zach Smith's a forward, I know, but you're going to need to fill some of these empty spots with young guys. And, uh, you know, Ian Mitchell is definitely going to have a spot next year. There's no doubt about that. This team's going to be... Keith Seabrook, Taves, Kane, DeBrinkett, and probably a bunch of kids for the foreseeable future. And dudes. and Yeah, yeah, and some dudes. Exactly. Um, You're going to see a lot of signings like Chalupa and David Kampf and Dominic Cahoon, and some of those work. Some of them don't. But I guess I have a little bit of faith that Sam Bowman's done a pretty good job at scouting that international talent and being able to identify guys that can work out in the NHL. He's had a pretty decent track record with that. And while David Camp is not the most impressive guy in the world, he's been he's an NHL player. He's a contributor. Remember, Eric Gustafson was one of those guys. Artemi Panarin was a higher-end version of that. But again, an international signing. Dominic Kubalik was property of the LA Kings, but the Hawks identified that talent, prioritized trading for him, and got him, and they were right. So Bowman's done a decent job at that. It's going to take a lot more of that to keep this team competitive and Kalnick is from Canada, by the way. I don't know where all this international love was. No, I'm just saying. From. No, I'm just saying in general, like he's going to have to just get <laughs> creative with, you know, going to get creative with where to find talent from. Right. And, totally. And, and Kalnick is a good example of that. Philly couldn't make it happen, so Bowman did. And, and a 23 year old defenseman coming into the system. Let's see. Maybe he'll be ready to go. Um, you know, before some other younger guys. But look, we saw one game of Nicholas Bodan. He looked pretty good. We saw a handful of games from Lucas Carlson. He looked pretty good. Boquist seems to be developing the way we hope he will. So the blue line, you know, a year ago, maybe we weren't as optimistic about it. Um, but some of these young guys look like they're going to be pretty good. So fingers crossed that they can get that next generation of really good defensemen. Uh, hopefully some of those guys are already here 
And then I, I would imagine if they don't get the number one overall pick, they'll probably draft defense again. Yeah, that that would be my guess. But then again, we thought they were going to do that last season, and look what they did. Yes, we did. Yes, we certainly did. <laughs> yeah. Well, buddy, I think we've gotten to everything we need to get to on this one. I know. There I don't know. Was... Do we want to have a big argument about uh, Reese Johnson? Should we? Because uh, apparently, like, I don't know. We haven't really talked about, like, the bottom-tier guys on the roster. Should we argue about why De- Dennis Gilbert wasn't invited to summer camp? What the heck, man? Um, no. <laughs> I was hoping you would say that. I wasn't ready for it. The other thing, though, that did happen over this last week, and we're not going to get into it today, we've talked about it a lot, is there was some news with the Blackhawks logo. Um, had today not been so newsy, we probably would have gotten into it a little bit. We will get into that next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I know that for some people it causes a deep roll of the eyes, but um, it's it's definitely worth talking about, especially in light of what the Washington football squadron has decided to do today. Uh, there's a little bit of context added to things there. So with that, we're going to wrap things up. Thanks for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. As Blackhawks news breaks, James and or I will be around for you on the Madhouse Podcast. I know it's been a slow summer, but business is about to pick up big time. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's and Crest Hill, Dr. Squatch, and by Fry the Coop. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film, Powder Donut. <clears throat> Okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.